Welcome to Livy's Corner, y'all, episode three. And oh dears, we are not in Kansas anymore, says Warner Media, as it gears up to unleash its entire 2021 movie slate directly to HBO Max as well as theaters next year, which is pissing off a number of A-listers, their representative camps, and some high-name directors. So can H. Wood bounce back from this shakeup? Child, we shall see. Also in music, many artists are fed up with the Grammys and we'll break down as to why that is in our music news segment. And back to more film. The uh, Oscar race is heating up and... I have some questions about the inclusivity as of right now. And finally, in our light at the end of the tunnel, we discuss why progress is never easy, but it's necessary. So let's get it, y'all. Extra, extra, read all about it. Warner Media to stream all 2021 releases on HBO Max. And the world went wild. (laughs) I did too. You mean to tell me that I get to watch some of the biggest hits of the next year from the comfort and safety of my home? As a fan, what is there not to like from this deal? And to be very honest, this should not be a shock to anybody, especially investors. I mean, that racket is legal gambling at its finest, so they should be fine. But speaking of people who are fine, are the star and director of Wonder Woman 1984. The film set to kick off this venture. Warner Media paid both Gal Gadot and Patty Jenkins 10 million bucks to put on the good front that this film going to HBO Max is amazing. And that's coming from Deadline. But the official word on the street is that many attached to Warner are pissed because they had no say in the matter, nor did they receive a bonus check, so to speak. From the likes of Will Smith, Keanu Reeves, and Margot Robbie, and even director Christopher Nolan, they all have been the most vocal against this move and the money's yet seen. A lot of actors recoup money from the box office receipts as well, guys. IndieWire states that Robert Downey Jr. made a guesstimate of close to $95 million from Endgame alone. How? By getting a cut of them box office receipts, child. Many stars, including Smith, Reeves, and Robbie, have that same type of financial investment in their films with Warner. So it is understandable that that could be the main source of contention, but... My gut feeling is it has more to do with the way the deal was handled. Many heard of the news like we did. So like me and you, 
They've heard it through the media. And that kind of is a crap move if we're going to be very honest. And if this is true, the rocks that have built Warner over the past three to four decades should be consulted before this type of venture was launched. I mean, really, this announcement was all about fan service and that is not a bad thing, like I said, but the way it was handled is do better, Warner. And remember in episode one of this here podcast when I stated that there is a blessing and a curse in reboots and fan service? Well, here it is. Warner Media has triggered the biggest scandal in cinematic history. And okay, so let's go and talk about the money. With the announcement of Wonder Woman 1984 streaming release, Warner added cushion with paid subscribers by reaching 12.6 million scripts. That's a large number, but you looking at Netflix, their script rate is 190 million. So they got to be careful. And at about 15 bucks a month, they should be okay. I mean, it's a sizable cash flow. But with the news that the entire 2021 lineup will be following suit, I'm sure that number will increase. So it makes sense that the company owned by AT&T, by the way, is gambling on releasing all of the theatrical releases through HBO Max. And this is huge, guys, and a direct effect of the change of keys in Hollywood. The films on Slate are Dune, which I cannot wait to see, The Matrix 4, again, can't wait to see, Godzilla vs. Kong, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Suicide Squad, the next installment of the Conjuring series titled The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Heights, which is a musical, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Mortal Kombat, to name a few. This lineup is impressive, but it brings me to my third point, inclusivity. My eyes as a black film creative went to the lack of diversity in the lineup. It is glaring in feminine-led films, as well as BIPOC representation. There are only four black masculine-led films. Denzel's The Little Things, LeBron James's Space Jam, Will Smith's King Richard, and Daniel Kaluuya's Judas and the Black Messiah. There is one Latinx film, which is In the Heights, the Lin-Manuel Miranda Broadway hit that has been converted over to the big screen. And that's it, guys. There are plenty of feminine power in supporting or co-starring roles. The only holdout is that The Matrix 4 that we know nothing about may have leads that are strictly femme, but we don't know. So yes, this decision was and is groundbreaking because it puts all streaming services on notice, but it does expose an underlying issue that many Black creatives like myself have been noticing, reflecting, and speaking about for decades. 
diversity and inclusion need to be at the top of the production list going forward. With the switch of how our society accesses content, production studios have to break free of the confines of Hollywood that was and is, unfortunately, very white. Which brings me to my final point in this, <laughs> in this ever-growing situation. These types of shakeups always come before a major breakup. No matter how you look at our lives, guys, Hollywood's business model is one that is reverberated throughout our society. The term branding, trending, started right here. From its inception, Hollywood played heavy in the it crowd and has made an entire working legacy in it. This is also why I have watched this system very closely. I could see that there is a direct correlation between this model and how we go about our lives. See, Hollywood sets a tempo for more than many care to recognize. Putting on a show or faking it till you make it or the hustle are all phrasing or lifestyles every last one of us have adapted at one or more times in our lives. That's why actors like Denzel, like Will, like Keanu, Sandra, Regina, Viola, and their projects have been so successful and carry longevity. They champion for us and we love to see it. With this particular streaming announcement though, Warner sent a very specific message to every business model in the world. We are adapting. We are changing. Damn the blasphemy. We are adapting. They are going virtual pretty much, guys. And businesses, profit and nonprofit alike, had better take notice. There are businesses that are not essential, which still tie workers to a physical workspace when it is unnecessary. So this move is putting them on notice too. And I love to see this as well. So with my closing points, I must say that I support the artists who are being vocal in their disappointment, but I feel they will be fine, mainly because there are smaller production houses who would love to acquire their artistry and fan base. I'm sure Netflix, Disney, and Sony are already gearing up for those proposal meetings too, but those smaller houses will benefit the most, I think. So there's that light at the end of the tunnel. So which side do I support the most? Ideal-wise, I'm right in the middle of this theoretically because I see all sides to the situation. I've been on the boards that have had to make these types of decisions. I'm a creative who has been affected by said decisions, and I'm the fan who continues to buy a great production of services. But I will always speak first through my experience and support my fellow creatives who are reeling from this. Not only is it hurting pockets, it is hurting their legacies as well. And that is a very real and valid state of mind and reaction to have. We have all been there. No matter our business of getting that money on this earth, we have been affected by such actions. So please, 
As fans of these upcoming films, please keep that in mind while enjoying the content. Let me say that Warner's Gamble may have caused some epic waves, but they have some powerhouse moves up their sleeves and we don't know what those are yet. They are developing ground and soul-breaking content and I feel that this next era of Warner is going to be fascinating and gut-riching at the same time. For real, y'all, put some good vibes out there for movie theater staff and playhouse staff. Next, we talk about why the Grammys tripping is triggering the shift against Academy bias. But first, a word from our sponsor. The Grammys be tripping, y'all. The year was 2017, and the Grammys failed to credit two Black women for their monumental albums. And it was then that I was just simply done with the show. (laughs) Both Beyonce and her magna opus Lemonade, as well as Rihanna's cultural redefining entry, Auntie, were heavily nominated, with Lemonade winning two Grammys and Auntie winning zero. It was embarrassing to see. And another entry into the Black woman's experience of loss and shrinking playbook. Now, both of these albums, to me, were and still are instrumental in the rebirthing of our journeys to become one within ourselves, to create like ways for us to be excellent, break curses, and ask no questions in doing so. To not be recognized for this work, it was just wrong. Now, to be honest, the Grammys have a history of snubbing folks, okay? Nicki Minaj, who is an expert lyricist, has yet to be recognized. And with Pink Print, I mean, that was her best and most cohesive work yet, but she is sans Grammy. This woman is iconic and has not been recognized for her merit or her chart-topping success. Why? Let's just be honest. Because of the lack of understanding and diversity of said voting panel. We can play Ring Around the Rosie all day long, but everyone knows it's true. If the work disturbs the voting body too much and makes them uneasy, oh no, as true art is supposed to, they refuse the artist's accolade. But with this year's Grammys, y'all, listen, these nominations in particular and the reaction that followed It appears that something far more insidious is going on. A phenomenal artist, and no doubt had one of the best albums of 2020, as well as one of the best accepted albums of 2020, was snubbed for any Grammy. That's right. The dude you kept hearing on pop and urban radio all damn year was neglected a single nomination. So after the nominations were released, The Weeknd quickly produced receipts as to why he was snubbed. For months, he and his team have been trying to collaborate with the Grammys. The Weeknd, 
who is on hand performing for both their show and the Super Bowl halftime show. The negotiations fell apart and the result was bruh being stripped of nominations he surely should have been up for. This isn't the first time we have heard this narrative, y'all. And I believe it was 2018, maybe 2019, when Ariana Grande voiced her grievances as she had backed out of performing because the voting body wanted her to perform old material when she wanted to promote her new material. And going back to this year, uh, where is Alicia Keys' nominations? All right, so it was cool for her to host the show, but with her album, her latest album was really good, still no nominations. The reason I wanted to speak on this though, y'all, is to give a deeper perspective, okay? This year, of all years, we saw the relentless release of phenomenal black feminine projects but yet not a single black woman is nominated in the R&B category of song and album. Tiana Taylor, honey, we got to speak on it. Her entry this year was titled The Album and is hands down the best feminine R&B album of 2020, period, y'all. It is a behemoth of orchestration, lyricism, all wrapped around black love and progression. But she was not awarded a damn nomination from the quote unquote institution that prides itself for recognizing the best. Get out of here. The result of this is Tiana's retirement from music. And she's young, y'all. She said, and I quote, I will not let this kill me, end quote. But kudos to her, man, for putting boundaries for her art, her spirit, and her life. This makes me sad, however, that she had to go through this public humiliation. And again, I am done with the Grammys, for I carry that wound as well from my own lived experience as an artist. Now, both Rihanna and Beyonce have gone on to become multimillionaires, and their philanthropic work is deep and thick, but it's still there, that wound. I mean, Rihanna has Fenty, uh, you know, it's the lingerie, it's the skincare and the makeup and all of it's always flying off the shelves. And she seems to be in a better place. Beyonce as well has launched her Ivy Park activewear line with Adidas and that is a success. So yeah. I think they're doing a really good job at healing that wound, to be very honest. And let me be frank. (laughs) The Grammys also snubbed Fiona Apple, y'all. So this just isn't about race. Fiona, she also had a major album this year. But it came because she had broke ties with her restrictive contract with her record company. And I wonder, does that have to do with her snubs as well? Grammys, I am done with thee. And Gaga? Oh my God. Chromatica is just phenomenal. And yet again, limited to just two pop song nominations.
Since the launch of Livy's Corner, we have been working 24-7 to gain streaming access with various podcast platforms. And I am proud to announce that we are now streaming on these lovely services. Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Public Radio, and of course, you can always stream weekly episodes on the granddaddy that started it off, Anchor. And if you don't have the links to the streaming services that fit you, don't worry, I got you. The links to each service is down in the description box. Thanks for your support, guys, as I surely appreciate your time and energy. This has been so exciting. And (laughs) um, lots of sleepless nights over on my end. So, but thank you guys so much. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it is Oscar race time, y'all. And this is my favorite time of year. I'm serious. (laughs) And even though theatrical runs were pretty much non-existent, uh, films were still able to produce a thick crowd of potential nominees. So this portion will be brief as I keep the juicy bits for my actual Oscar winner predictions um, next year. But I am particularly looking at the best actress category with Glee. Okay, so according to Golden Derby, Viola Davis has pulled ahead of Frances McDermott with voting critics, mainly due to the availability of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which began streaming for critics mid-November, while McDermott's entry in Nomadland had been available since September. And then another standout is Vanessa Kirby with her performance in Pieces of a Woman, which is shaking things up. And Vanessa Kirby, if you don't know, is um, the main character from The Crown. I I don't watch that show. So, yeah, I I just never, it never spoke to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so, but there is a consensus, uh, and I must agree, that... If the Academy snubs Viola for the Netflix-backed Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, there will be some smoke in the city. No matter what publication one looks at, though, Viola Davis is named first in being at least nominated for her role as Ma Rainey. And it must be said, only one African-American actress nominee has won this award. And that award went to the remarkable Miss Holly Berry for Monsters Ball. But honey, that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah, that's a feat. For an establishment to say that there has been no Black actress good enough to win the prize. Now, don't get me wrong. Okay, Black women have been nominated for this category, but not many. And I believe it's only been four in my lifetime. And that's Whoopi, Holly, Viola, 
and Cynthia. That's it. And that's a tragedy. What a week. (laughs) Oh my goodness. The light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to keep this one brief because, you know, I understand that um, a few of the segments are long. So I'll keep this one brief this week in saying that progress is difficult, but necessary. I am and have been a screamer, a hollerer of diversity and inclusion in in representation on the silver and the big screen. And if you look at the small screen, the, you know, our little TVs and, and, and apps and things of that nature, we've been getting that from that format. And I feel that Warner, one of their moves is going to be that inclusivity and diversity market. Like that's, they're going in that direction. Um, And I'm only saying this because of the successes of their TV shows like Watchmen, like Lovecraft Country. Um, These were massive hits. And when I see um, projects like that, that's when I see progression, you know? And by Warner streaming all of their theatrical releases through HBO Max, I feel it's their way of segueing into a more diverse and inclusive artistry base. And so... This is difficult, guys. This is not, you know, this is not one of those instances where I'm like super happy about it. Trust me, I'm happy. But then I I also feel, you know, how this is going to hit not just A-listers, but just, you know, the people on the, the lower lower parts of the totem pole, so to speak. I also think in music, especially when it comes to the Grammys, that we just, we have to create our own and we have to propel our own, Um, which is why I really started to do uh, my best of, you know, X year. Um, That was my way of showing support for these artists who probably we're never going to get any props whatsoever. Um, (laughs) So that's why I started to do mine. And I really think that helped me um, create a more rounded uh, view of what really goes on with these artists. Um, But then... I encourage you to start making your own best of list. Um, Do whatever, like your best music. What did you think was your best music uh, choices of the year? Um, If you're into plays, what was your, because there was a ton of virtual plays, you know, just start doing that for yourself so you can really start to, you know, get this 
spherical view of the artist, but it also helps you branch out into different genres and see what's going on. And I know this year my best of lists are (laughs) child, like they already shaping up to be a little controversial. And I was like, I have never done that, but that's what's going to happen this year. (laughs) So yeah, like, and I think like that would help in also creating these spaces that we want to see diversity and inclusion in. And because we'll demand that, you know, if I'm able to listen to metal and be like, all right, dude, why can't a voting member on these panels do that? Like, seriously? Uh Uh-uh. Nope. (laughs) We're not doing that. And it's like, so yeah, I think by Warner doing this, that was, it's their way of segueing into a new era. Um, But like I said, they, they should have handled that better. And then as for the Grammys, Lord, it's, I'm just done. Like, I, there's no fixing it. Like, there's nothing else I can say. <laughs> it's really not. Because they are just doing some stuff and they've continued to do it. So I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> and then the Oscars. I held back on that because the Oscars are my jam. They are my jam. Um, in 2020. So this year's Oscars. I only did a select number of categories and I did seven and I got every last one of them correct. And that was the first time that has ever happened. And (laughs) since the history of me doing it, and I was just like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, I'm synced up with it. You feel me? I'm synced up. So yeah, I called it. I called Parasite doing exactly what it did. Um, I even called Elton John winning best song. I just, I was able to really tap into it. But again, I think that came from me doing all of this analytic stuff and going, well, my best of list is this, (laughs) you know, and just branching out and watching and listening to everything. And so if I can open myself to being inclusive and diverse in what I'm taking in, I think many other people can do that, especially, you know, now, like just take the time and do that for yourself and create the existence that you want to see. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my hope guys. This episode was thick. (laughs) There is lots going on, but thank you for listening to the shenanigans of Hollywood from film to music. I mean, there does seem to be a reckoning happening, and I'll, of course, do my best to navigate through all of it. But remember, there are grand projects being made and distributed by smaller recording um, studios as well as production houses. So seek those out and be blessed. And next Tuesday, we'll be discussing HBO's The Undoing and Warner Brothers' Tenet. 
And until then, ta-ta for now, loves. Segment information, written, produced, researched, and directed by Olivia Livy Johnson. Segment resources by Segment 1, Warner Brothers, Forbes, Cinema Blend, Variety, Looper. Segment 2, The Grammys, Tiana Taylor, Fuse. Segment 3, Golden Derby, 